ahead and um welcome back to another episode of Cozy Convos. Uh, I realized that the last episode I hadn't introduced myself, so my name is Bash, and I will be joined by a co-host named KK. Yeah. <laughs> All right then. Um, so basically, what we're going to be doing for these podcasts is that each episode we're going to have a different guest, or a different set of guests, and they're going to talk about the topics and how it relates to them. So for today's episode, we're going to talk about um, what it means to be African and cultural appropriation. So, um, Kiki, would you want to begin on uh, what it means to be African? I want to hear other people's opinions first. Right. Okay, Rene. All right. Uh, my name actually, is Rene. Yeah, you guys should actually introduce yourself. I just realized that. <laughs> Sorry. No worries, no worries. Uh, my name is Rene. And, yeah, I think hey, being African is tough. That's that's all I have to say for now, for now, yeah. I might pass it on to the next one, just so that they they break the ice properly. That's it. That's it. That's all you have. <laughs> that's all I have. Okay. Uh, my name is Rati. Um, being African, I think if 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 anyone tried to answer that question, they'd be like super disingenuous, because we're sitting in this room. There's a South African. There's a bunch of Kenyans, and there's a yeah and so if you asked each of us that question and like you forced us to answer it i feel like we'd all come up with something different um so i I don't know if it's a it's a question you can actually answer i'm gonna pass it on okay um okay i think being african is um comes with race culture um your especially color because for me, okay, let me say, being African as a Cameroonian, what I see this is like, like, growing up, going to school, living Africa, going out there to America and doing all those funny odd jobs, then coming back here and showing off, you're not actually showing anybody any impact. Like, like I mean, I went there, I did something. You just yeah. come back to Africa to just show people off, like. I don't know, and then make them feel those who have been in Africa and have not got the opportunity to travel, to feel I don't know less like okay, I've gone there. I think I'm better than you. Mm. And also, being Africa back, I also like color, like how brown skin then you're darker. Now brown skin people be feeling like mm, they're superior. Yeah, they get off there, mm. and you with melanin, something else. Okay, I think like that's what I can say about it. All right, yeah. Um, for me, if I give my opinion, um, it's quite a lot. So I broke it into like three different ways. So first, what it means to me to be an African. So to me, it means being disregarded, you know, mm-hmm. or being uh, the bum of the joke. Because basically, as Africans, we are the jokes. And it's reached a point where we're allowed, uh, we allow ourselves to be those jokes. So comedians will take the piss out of almost all races, but to a certain standard or to a certain extent. But when it comes to Africans, there's no boundary on what you can say. So you can make as many jokes on us and like nothing will change. So as an African, I feel disregarded and I feel like we're viewed, I'm sorry, we're looked down upon, especially in terms of um, mental status, like our intellect. So when it comes to the physique, we all know Africans are great in the physique. But when it comes to like intellect, we're disregarded completely. As an African, you cannot be seen as a smart person. Mm-hmm. So, there's another level I want to break it down to is now being a Kenyan. So as a Kenyan in Africa, 
um, I'm seen as a Kenyan. I'm not seen as an African. But outside of Africa, if I say I'm Kenyan or South African or Cameroonian, they'll consider me African. But within Africa, I'm a Kenyan. And as a Kenyan, comes their own stigmas. So I was telling you guys earlier, like being a Kenyan means <clears throat> you're considered to be untrustworthy, corrupt, or a liar. And it's more deep-rooted than that because in Kenya, there's tribes. So for me, uh, my mother is Kalenjin, my dad is Kikuyu. And in African tradition, you take the tribe of your father. So that makes me Kikuyu, which means it brings in its own stigmas, which is basically the same stigmas as a Kenyan, being untrustworthy, untruthful, and corrupt. It's just, as a Kikuyu, it's 10 times worse. You've seen like 10 times more of, like, sorry, you've seen 10 times worse as a Kenyan because you're a Kikuyu. So they've already judged you based off your tribe in your country within our own African nation. So uh, I was telling KK earlier how in Africa, I've never felt what it means to be black in my country. Let me just say in Kenya, I've never felt what it means to be black because um, all I'm surrounded is by black people. So I've never had to face racism, but tribalism is the one thing that I face. And the same thing as if I go to any other country, people will be like, oh, you're Kenyan. So they'll see me as one way. Instead of being seen as an African, they'll see me as a Kenyan. So uh, my opinion on being um, African is that we have allowed society to look down on us. And we've brought that to our own people, where we look down upon each other. So as a Kenyan, I'm so untrustworthy towards other Kenyans already, just because of how Kenyans are known to be untrustworthy. So I see my own people and I'm like, nah, I can't trust this fellow Kenyan, yet he's a fellow Kenyan. I'd rather trust a foreigner much more easier than a fellow Kenyan. So it's a sense of like, um, I remember when I went to the National Museum, the Nairobi Museum, we went with KK. And <laughs> that's the one time in my own country I felt like I was ostracized because we walked in and the security lady saw us and was like, um, excuse me, where are you going? So we told her there's an event happening at the courtyard and we want to go there. She's like, no, there's no event happening. That's a lie. There's nothing like that. So we're like, what do you mean? We showed her the Instagram post that showed the event was happening. She was like, no, there's no event here. Please leave. So we tried to walk to the reception. She's like, where are you going? Where are you walking to? And I'm like, we want to go talk to the reception. And she's like, fine, they'll tell you the same thing. Because the man who works here, I think they're going to tell you something different. And we're like, okay. So we go talk to the reception. The lady tells us, yeah, there's something happening on the courtyard. So we asked, do we need to pay? She's like, no, there's no need to pay. So we walk towards the courtyard. The security lady comes back and stops us. She's like, where are you going? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> no. Imagine. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. Who told you to go there? And like, have you paid for a ticket? And we're like, no, we're told we don't need to pay for a ticket. She's like, no, you need a ticket. So we decided to just ignore her and continue walking. She's like, okay, you wait and you see. I'll call security for you. So we did you call security? Yeah. So like we go to the courtyard. We're watching. Sorry, we're watching. We're looking at the pictures and everything. A security guard comes up to us and tells us, "What are you doing here? Do you know you're trespassing?" And we're like, "Excuse me." How can you be trespassing in a national museum? Exactly. And the thing <laughs> is, it's free. Where the courtyard is, you're free to walk there. You don't have to pay for anything. But this guy says, "Now I have to throw you out. You're trespassing." Last time, there were some white people here and they were robbed. So our security has to be wow. upgraded. Wow. Yes. And then you, yes. so the black people want to rob them. Exactly. So <laughs> ask, ask our question. Oh so God. we're like, am I the one who's coming to rob them? Yeah. Or am I the one who's going to be robbed? So they're looking at us like, as a Kenyan, now nah, you're not privileged enough to come here and like view our arts. Only the whites are the ones who 
have the privilege to be able to do it or have the acknowledgement that they can do it. I actually wanted to ask, because it was mentioned that um, being African is having brown skin. And so I wanted to ask, is being African being black? No. It's not part of it. Is being African being black? I've been waiting. That's why I wanted everyone else to talk. So I have lived in South Africa and I have a lot of white friends who consider themselves Africans because I had a conversation with my friend about what was happening in South Africa and what it meant to her to be African because she was born here. Ah. But you have a big argument with black people who say, but they're not they're not black, so they're not African. But then you ask yourself, when a refugee is born in a country, and that's the passport they've had, and that's where they've grown up. If you're a fifth generation, for instance, Caucasian, and you've grown up in Africa, the only thing you know is Africa. So what then happens? Because I've even met, like, yesterday I'd gone for the Ethiopian New Year at my neighbor's house, and I was talking to um, Indian uh, Kalasinga, and him, he was talking about how in India they left because they were refugees of all these other things, religious discrimination and everything, so they decided to move to Kenya. When they moved to Kenya, they were, now him, he was born here. He has four kids who have grandkids. Now, what do their grandkids call it? Because they've never been to India. So it becomes a problem of if you're born in a country and the culture has now started to change, are we going to say they're not African? I would argue mm-hmm. that if you're white, if you're Indian, I don't care, you're not African. Mm-hmm. right? And the reason I say this yeah, is because Africans are always so willing to bestow Africanness on other races, mm. right? But they're not willing to do the same for us. Mm-hmm. So um, a Chinese immigrant in the U.S., right, mm. is not um, American. He's Chinese-American. You're hyphenated immediately, mm-hmm. right? They start saying things like, oh, you're third generation mm. um, Chinese or mm-hmm. you're fourth generation black mm-hmm. or anything like that, right? Um, the refugees that have left the the uh, what do you call them leaving from West Africa to mm-hmm. go into Europe right mm-hmm. from years of war either you're in Liberia yes, yes. you're from Gambia and you find yourself in France right the French still yes. don't consider you European even if you, it's your ancestors that came there right even if it's them that bestowed that Frenchness upon you you know so why are we here now saying oh they were born in Africa and therefore they're African it's not that easy because if you start saying that white people right, are African, yeah, then that gives them privilege of two things. One, they're accepted here, but then they also But that privilege, privilege has already been given to them. Exactly. The so why are we still extending hours see, upon them by virtue of them being born here? What, I don't care about sorry it. Sorry to interject. What privilege? You're speaking of, of, you're speaking, you're speaking, you're speaking of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. You're speaking of the privilege of a white person that is now considered... European African. of European descent and then also mm-hmm. of African descent. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is, what privilege is attached to, to Africanness? Nothing. The privilege, no, the privilege of exoticism for them. You see, so they will go and they say, "Oh, we've lived in Africa, right?" And Africa. then they claim privilege of being the ones to tell our narrative, right? If you're a white person 
and you apply for a company and you say, I've lived in sub-Saharan Africa, they take you more than the actual black people that live those struggles every day. Mm -hmm. So that's the privilege I'm talking about. So I'm not going to give it to them. I don't care. You can shoot me. I don't care. Yeah, Yeah, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But I understand. I get you. The fact that these guys are given privilege over their own people, like our people will give privilege to them Mm. over like our own people in the sense that like the story I was telling you, it's the same way in the job market. Like they would rather hire a country known for certain things than their own people. So we went for Nairobi Con the other day and I saw this guy made a whole game but he's been keeping it secret because he knows he says in Kenya, if I start spreading it out, say they're going to get stolen or no one's going to do anything for me and that's going to crush my dream. So it's a sense where these IT companies, Safaricom, Oracle, PwC, if they're doing major IT, they're going to outsource all their IT to Indians. Mm. And I'm like, in our last topic, we were talking about the education system in Kenya. Now we have these facilities to teach these people. So why don't we teach our own people? Or even in the fact that our own people go abroad, they learn, they come back, they're so mistreated. They're not going to get the same jobs that someone who went abroad as a white man who lived abroad, never lived in Kenya, comes back, has his IT degree, and is given the job immediately because they're like, this guy has a white face, I can trust him. But this man has a black face now. He's just as bad as me. So that's a stigma we've had to grow up with as being an African. For me, that's how I feel. For the 24 years of being an African, it's about being looked down upon by everyone. I mean, I think... In the South African context, where we um, where we we live with our oppressors on a daily basis, right? I I don't know. Um, I don't know if the same applies. Like, I don't know if the same narrative holds water there mm-hmm. as here. Um, I've lost my train of thought. I think you have to come back to me. Now we allow it. It's all right. So I, I just have something to say. Sorry. Um, but there's this one quote by the former first prime minister of Ghana where he says, I'm not African because I was born in Africa, but because Africa was born in me. What do you think, Rene? I mean, Ruth looked like yeah. she was the person to say, <laughs> so I jump in. No, that was uh, my train of thought. But I was going to say, mm-hmm. um, being African is like the point of job hunting. It's really sad. Like we, like for example, we had this J one thing going on in school with one lady, Miss Rashida, and what do you do, Ruth? By the way, um, hospitality management. So we had we we had a, like a personal session with her. We asked her why is that we can't do front office, and you know she told us. First, we are black and they are white. We are seven whites. And she said, yeah, she made something about that, the way we speak. Like, you know, sometimes when we speak, they don't understand us. I'm like, how do we speak? So it's the same English I'm speaking these people. Yeah, yeah, so it's, and I mean, like, if you check my English, like, back in school, I did well in English. I had good grades, so I don't understand. So, well, you're basically speaking yeah, English right now. So, you know, the, like, being African, they just put you in this bracket. Like, we really have this type of accent. We have um, this way of thinking. Like, it's so sad. Even back in school, where at secondary school, like, there was this girl who came from um, Korea, South Korea. Mm-hmm. And, okay, Asians are intelligent, yeah. But then, you know... Stereotypes. We were actually intelligent than her in class. Like, there were questions I could solve in math she could not solve. But then, she, when, when the chair comes to class, the first person they ask to solve the question is... They call her name, and I'm like, Jesus, my hand was up first. This is sad. Like, because I'm African doesn't mean I don't... 
I can't think. I can also create things. I can't invent things. I actually can do all those things. I just, because I'm black doesn't mean I, it's sad. It is. It is. And if if I was to, to tie that to the quote that um, KK just put out, that I'm not African because I was born in Africa, but because Africa is born in me, I think that's like a gross misjudgment, right? Yeah. We are, as Africans, always... Um, giving the responsibility of defining ourselves, giving the responsibility of yes. defining our talents outwards, right? So even him saying, because Africa was born in me, if you can't concretely say what that means, and you mm. can't justify it, and you can't show the value of that statement, then don't make any general statements at all. Mm. I think that the colonial times and when we were getting our independence, just that post-colonial period, was really beautiful in the sense that um, there was a lot of nationalism going on and there was a lot of Pan-Africanism, right? Mm -hmm. But when you think about Pan-Africanism and what it means right now, uh, mm -hmm. it's almost cack. It's just useless. It's a buzzword that people have used to get jobs and to go up and give speeches in Doha and the World Economic Forum and all that nonsense. And take advantage of other exactly. Africans. Exactly. It's like white Black Lives Matter for like Africans. Yeah, and yeah, try and, and give us like a label or yeah, something. Yeah, and I think it's time we start we start being honest about it right we can be positive yes and i think positivity and optimism has its place in this in the discussion but right now we need to admit to ourselves that being african is shitty yes and and, and unless we can say that to each other and say it honestly that people won't be angry enough to demand revolution they'll just be like it's fine i'll just go and i'll get it for my family and that's nonsense no that's true i feel like that's how the african um tradition is built on because like if we lead into the second topic of cultural appropriation um how it is to be african is that we allow other people to just come and take what our culture is and everything and then go make it theirs and we won't complain about it in fact we'll even celebrate it because today my biggest argument about <laughs> cultural appropriation is black panther now i hate that movie <laughs> because as an african like the director comes to Africa and he says, I want to make this movie for Africans. I want to make this movie to bring back pride to Africa. Now, I always tell people, everyone I meet, that movie is 99% Black American. What stops it from being 100% is that they didn't say the word nigger. Just once, that would be fully Black American. Because how does the movie start with the Black Panther movement? It has nothing to do with Africa. You know? Black Panther movement had nothing to do with Africans. That's all Black American. Secondly, how did the movie end? He ended with him realizing that he made a mistake by letting the slaves go, and it's going to go change that. What about the problems that are already happening in Africa? I mean, people are already taking slaves. People are poaching animals, but he's not doing anything about it. It's talked about in such a small sector. But they threw this emphasis on Black pride, Black Lives Matter. But they're using our culture to promote that, but they're not promoting us as a country or as a continent. So when the movie first came out, they went and like no offense to like South Africa and everything. I know it's an amazing country, but they went <laughs> and had the whole um, premiere in South Africa. Now the actors are Ugandan, Kenyan, and none of them came here to promote the film. They all went to South Africa. There's some South African actors. Black Panther had a premiere. Yeah, in, in, in Kisumu, yeah, but I'm saying the actors themselves did not come to promote well, the movie. Yeah, that's kind of true. yeah. So. Mm -hmm. That's my situation with cultural appropriation. So I don't know if you guys have felt feel the same way about the film. 
Rene, what do you have to say? My chest. First of all, that analysis has blown me away, right? Mm-hmm. When I think of cultural appropriation, um, I'm always thinking of whiteness appropriating blackness. I've never thought of blackness appropriating a different form of blackness, right? Yeah. But if you think about it, it's to appeal to white masses. True. Right? So the the reason I struggle with appropriation is this, right? Um, people will use culture as capital and because of that they'll go where capital is which is often whiteness right so white people can use black culture very nicely of any capital they want to get more money right black people we don't appreciate it ourselves we think of it as normal and because of that we don't benefit so i think also in some forms cultural appropriation is our fault true yeah i would like to and you guys have been saying this quite a bit our faults um who's 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 our I'm being very serious about this because every time cultural appropriation is discussed, say, on the Twitters, (laughs) maybe we're discussing a Kardashian who has cornrows and now she's making headlines for revolutionizing cornrows um, or whatever the case is. And then black women come out and call it out and say, hey, Kim K is appropriating black culture and she's benefiting from it unduly. Who's the first person to say that black women are overreacting? Black men. There we go. I am not not quite okay with this us that you guys keep referring to. Because black men have proven themselves to be the weakest link um, with most social issues where black women are more progressive. So I think, you know, let's 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 be honest. Let's be, you know. There's an us and then there's a men. Let's let's keep it a (laughs) hundred. about who is allowing the appropriating to happen or who is more likely to allow it to happen. Because black women have been calling this stuff out for years now. And black men, and black men are always like, oh, you're overreacting. Oh, it's not that deep. Oh, oh. There is not one Kardashian marriage to a white man. Yeah, just one. Yeah, there's one. Oh, none. 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 Oh, none. none. Oh, actually, none. none. Yeah. I mean... The dad doesn't count because it's the <laughs> <laughs> in general. But I agree with you mm. that as black men, they are silent. But like when you say black men, do you mean black American men or African? General. 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 Just general. 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 I mean, that sounds like All a question. Right. Okay, like dreads. Dreadlocks. Yeah. Where do they come from? Jamaica, right? No. Africans no. have no. had Ethiopian. It was Ethiopian, yeah. Because being Jamaicans are Ethiopian. So, it originated so, from Ethiopia. Yeah, when when um Ali Selassie was was uh detained shortly after the revolt against the was it the Italians, right? The Italians or the Portuguese, one of the two. No, no, the Italians when they, Italians, when they tried yeah. to colonize Ethiopia uh-huh. and there was that revolt, um he was detained. And so his generals left a vow to keep their hair growing okay. throughout until his release. And so they started to not into the natural dreads. The nutty dreadlocks. Yeah. So now, but then when you think of dreadlocks, like when you think about dreadlocks, you think of Jamaicans. Yeah. So is that mm-hmm. cultural appropriation? Like the fact they have taken it, it's like Diaz. They haven't. But they were slaves. So. It's... You see, I feel like I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. 
Sorry. It's okay. So what? Okay. First of all, I'd just like to say the definition of cultural appropriation. So we're all on the same page. Cultural appropriation at times is also phrased as cultural misappropriation. Okay, it is the adoption of elements of one's culture by members of another. This is a controversial. Uh, this can be controversial when members dominate a culture, and practically make money off of it and the minority does not gain anything. With that said, Jamaicans were taken as slaves. In the beginning, they were slaves. So it can't be cultural appropriation because if it was something you were doing in your country and you move with it, it's like the way a lot of brands are taking turbans and using them on white people. That's somebody's religion. That's why they put on a turban. They will explain it to you and then you will go and sell it for $600. That's disrespect. Because they don't make any money off of it. When they do it, they're doing it as a religious choice. And then you just come and say, okay, that would look nice with a dress. We're going to make $600 off of our turban. That's the problem with culture appropriation. With that said, I feel like the the Kardashians have been doing it for so long. Oh, no. I don't think it's only Kardashians. I think it's the whole of Hollywood. Because like right now, the in thing is being African. Unless you're African. Yeah. Mm. I want to ask a question, right? And I don't mean any shade. I'd love if someone could explain this to me. Mm-hmm. What is white culture? Like, what have they contributed to this world culturally? Mm. I know what the Asians have contributed. I know what Can I... the Muslims Through have paintings? contributed. I think like artists from Africa... Gold. And everything like with Van Gogh. Um, there were a lot Gucci. of artists who have been accused of cultural appropriation. Yeah. yeah, true. That's the problem. And they did, and they did, they did come and steal. So even if you talk about philosophy, that's philosophy that they came and learned from Egypt. Oh yeah, true, true. Yeah. I think they have their culture. The only issue with it is that a lot of them, like you see, for instance, the Vikings had their culture, but what happened was when they went and intermixed. Because I know what you're trying to say. But that's Americans. Majority of what we're talking about is on Americans because when they migrated and stole the land and did all of that, they meshed so much, their culture disappeared. Mm. So now they have no culture. But if you ask an Irish person... They what do have culture? a culture. I think it's true. Yeah. Ever what since happens, the this is why we're told in a couple of years, our kids won't have a serious culture. We'll be so interracial that we'll be grabbing at twigs because Mm. at that point when you look at your lineage and your mom was let's say Irish and your dad was from Kenya and was Luo and then you come down a generation and you married a Chinese person the the culture will clash so much that you'll come up with your own culture now as a Kenyan I cannot tell you what American culture is because I've never grown up there but I've learned that a lot of Americans don't really, they've come to create their own cultures in their homes because of the mixing. You know, yeah. in the beginning when they moved, they were the Irish people, they were the Italians, they were proud of it. The if British. you look at Italians, they never gave up their culture. Until today, even when we watch TV and we watch all these, what's that baker called? Buddy. Oh, you know he's Italian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know he's Kick Italian, boss. but a lot of them, because of intermarrying, could not really hold on to their culture ten generations down because you don't know what your culture anymore is. And then everybody 
has an opinion on what your culture is and you're picking from here and there what you like. So it becomes becomes tough to mention yeah but us as black people and i feel like this is just a resurgence Mm. because if you talk to a lot of people who moved to the u.s 20 years ago they'll tell you being african was not cool today everybody wants to be african yeah Yeah. and i think the issue with that is because trump is pushing it also on people to be african to be like you need to know where you're from because one day he could wake up and just be like go home what are you going to do? So culture is <laughs> politics now. Yeah. Culture has now become more a political stance than it was before. When people are wearing the shikis, it's to prove a point. Just the same with the Black Panther movement dressed a certain way. So you could know who they were. It's saying mm-hmm. it with your chest now. That's... Yeah, but, but I don't fully agree with that because then um, I've seen a few arguments mm-hmm. where people complain that we are not supposed to wear Ankara. Right, mm. because Ankara is Nigerian, right? Yes. But then you say, okay, but there are lots of other cultures that have their own wax print yes. and and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. even now in Africa, we're starting to see that we don't really, because of this mixing, because of 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 uh, political climate and because of where money is distributed, there's no real African culture. So then, again, mm-hmm. as a black man, as I was called out, can we really say <laughs> that? Um, it's cultural appropriation if we can't also define that culture for ourselves. Because we, we, we don't know what our culture is, but when we see someone else doing it, we're so quick to claim. I think it makes sense because um, to anyone who's not African, we can, they can all talk about African culture. They can describe it to you. But as an African, we can describe our own culture to you. We can describe our traditions, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make us our culture. It doesn't make it the Kenyan culture. Because like, there are so many tribes, each tribe has their own tradition. Don't you think that they ha- it has to stem from somewhere? Because, for instance, Bantus, Nilots, even though we immigrated in different ways, there are certain things about our culture. This is why I'm, I think I agree with what you're saying. Because, for instance, if I see uh, Bantu, whatever, whatever country they're <laughs> from, it does not matter. If you are Bantu from the beginning, your ancestors, and I wear the same clothes as you, What's the problem? But with that said, even Kenyans could... We, do you remember when we were younger and we were told to decide on a national dress? Yeah. And it was in the newspaper. And, and we could not... Smash. Yeah, and we could not even agree on that. So now, as I said, we are grabbing at branches because mm. we don't... You know, the, I think the one thing we forget is Central and Eastern Africa, some of us don't really know who we are. When you look at Nigerians, for instance, they know. I've even seen Ruth's national dress. I know it. South Africans have theirs. This is why even when you talk about Black Panther and you did not fully see yourself there, it's because us as Kenyans do not know who we yeah. are. Because I feel like a lot of East Africa is also yeah. being Westerners. Yeah. We're such a fully Westerners nation. You guys are more... Like when I look at Kenya, Yeah, we've been whitewashed, yeah. Especially since for Cup, we're like one of the most countries that have like multiple races coming mm. in and just mixing like there's no tomorrow. Just yeah. like South Africa. Rati always says that this is like the white bless us heaven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's so many white people in, in Nairobi didn't expect it. No, it's a shock. Even I get shocked when I go to certain areas like Karen and it's just full of white people and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so they've all just combated in one area in Nairobi. It's it's shocking. But then if I may uh, Still on the topic of cultural appropriation. Um, before we get to the appropriation, right? Mm. 
I think that culture is something that's like traditions turn into culture, mm-hmm. right? So if in South Africa there's certain traditions, practice long enough, people start to say that's my culture, that's my style, that's my thing, right? But I feel like being African is cool for everyone except Africans, right? Yeah, now, exactly. Right? Because for them, they can be African without the struggle. And so even the appropriation is a lot of the time, um, uh, how do you say, cosmetic. Exactly. Right? So we're talking about braids. When you talk about cultural appropriation, you're like music. Um, but we don't know what it is within. You get me? So for me, I'd like to see like people practicing more what we want to define as culture because we're at a point where maybe we have the chance to define for our future generations what that culture is. Because mm. I feel like our parents fucked it up badly. Our parents and their parents and everyone who was there um, from the 60s up until the 80s, they were screwed because they were too close to colonialism, right? And then um, the generation that's from the year 2000 up till now, right, yeah. are too close to whiteness and westernization. True. But we are in the middle where we can see what that whiteness looks like and we find Generation Z children so weird, right? <laughs> and then Generation Z. Yeah, and then as millennials, we look back and we can tell that maybe we've spoken to our grandparents and we've spoken to our parents. But children who are being born in the year 2000, get, most of them most likely haven't met their grandparents. Don't know anyone who was there before. before exactly. You're right? most likely even to have like Okay, what we call shags is where our grandparents up stay. Country. Like the village, upcountry, basically, the village areas. That's what we call shags. Okay. So for you to say, like the kids who are born in 2000, they wouldn't have to go to the village. Their shags are probably just going to be here in the city. Yes. So if they're going to go to their yes. grandmother, they're probably just going to go to Runda or Karen. That's where my grandmother stays. But for us, I have to travel to Aldaret to see my grandmother. He has his roots in, Rene has his roots in seashells. He has to travel to seashells to see his grandmother. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed to, what they call... um. Go to another like go to another place and like absorb the culture there and understand mm-hmm. like this is how it works because I can say I'm I have a certain culture but if I go to Eldoret the culture there is completely different so I feel if we're gonna have to describe what our culture is we need to understand what it is to actually have a culture and then now we need to move on from that because we have our traditions. Wait, can I just add something to that that I've noticed is a very big problem when we're talking about it we're talking about growing up in the city. Now, I think it's the reverse when you grew up, for instance, in Shags or whatever, and you come to the city. It's You're shell-shocked. Culture so you, shock, yeah. yeah. You start to lose your culture because you want to fit in. That's another problem we're uh-huh. facing. Because even, look at it realistically, when you guys like have households who come from Shags, because it's a big thing in Kenya, what happens is they come here, they start talking to other households, and then it becomes this girl has changed like this (laughs) because she needs to fit in so then what happens when she starts to raise her family or anything like that she starts to lose who she was when she was growing up there so it's i think also the most important thing to understand about culture specifically is it evolves and what you're saying sorry what you're saying is that we're plagued by assimilation yes 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 that's actually the right word to use yeah in as much as you know, in as much as I would like to believe what Renee was saying about how we are some, in some ways, we're the middle generation, who's mm-hmm. still kind of in touch but not really mm-hmm. um, 
through conversation, through interacting with the older people, you get mm-hmm. to know. Yeah, I'm inclined to disagree. Maybe in the South African context, it's a bit different. But for me, I know that our cultures and traditions were di- diluted long ago. Mm-hmm. Long, 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 long. To the point where um, they were diluted and then they even crystallized as our own. Mm. And so when the information is being disseminated through generation to generation, they're telling you that, oh no, back in the day we did ABC, but ABC was never what they did. They did XYZ. Yeah. The white man came and told them that they did ABC and it mm. crystallized and they believed it. I'll give an example. So the Tswana people of South Africa, their traditional wear is called Ishwe Shwe. Mm-hmm. Is it the Tswanas or the Sutus? One of the two. It's this very unique material with a very unique print. Mm-hmm. And growing up, that's what we all believed. That that's what the Sutus and the Tswanas wear. Um, and so we went. And the other day, I don't remember what I was reading. And it turns out that material is actually from Europe. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> I can add on to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. the same thing. Leave the cloth. What? The beads. The, cloth, yeah. the beads we use come from China. Your yeah. beads? Yes. Even our beads. They started off print. as glass beads, but because it was cheaper, they were told, okay, we'll bring you this, and that's what happened. So, honestly speaking, it's a lost cause. I don't know why you <laughs> had the notion that we're somehow a middle generation of anything. We know nothing. So then what of our culture we now? We know nothing. Because I think it was, um, I don't know who said the quote, where um, when the white people came to Africa, we had land. So they taught us how to pray by closing our eyes, right? So they gave us Bibles, yeah. taught us to pray and close our eyes. When we opened our eyes, all we had was Bibles but no land. Yeah. Christianity was not an African thing. They came and brought it into us. So let me say something. Um, okay. Um, back home, I grew up going to like every like summer holiday. We go to the village to go visit my aunt, my grand aunt, my grandma. So it was something we. I mean, everybody was excited to do it. You know, that's something. As you're growing as a kid, my parents were told us like you know. Knowing this, learning how to do this like in a traditional way, cooking this way, doing like it was something they brought us, and I was like, we're so excited about it. Then I went to secondary school, and I noticed I was the only person in my class who wanted to share my experience from the village, like from what I've learned. But everybody kept talking about Hannah Montana, you know, those things. <laughs> like it was so sad. I was the only person in class who didn't know the latest songs. What do you know? Like, you know, all these shows on TV. But then I, I was so interested in showing them what I could do with my hands, you know, things I could carve out, you know. I, but everybody was like, no, like, we don't do this anymore. So you see, it's, it was really sad. Like, but then, but parents back, like many parents back home try to bring it back to their parents. Like, my grandmother, I always have to speak in my mother tongue because she does, she says she doesn't speak English and her English is like gone. Mm-hmm. So you see, but, when you go now out there, it's it's different. If I try to speak my mother tongue with my other friends, they look at me like seriously. Okay, people, you know, people, people around us seriously. Like it's sad. So it's the fact that um, and and then I was also going like even when I came back when I came to Kenya, mm-hmm. I saw that you guys don't really have so much of your culture. Like for us back home, like hey, if you come, if, you, if I take you home, what I'm going to show is just my culture. 
like you know showing my dad the way we dance like tradition so it's just something okay mm-hmm. but here it's different and i saw you guys mm-hmm. are more developed than my country and i'm saying so even though you guys have lost your culture <laughs> there's some benefit there you see you're growing but we have the like, we are so attached to our culture like we are so attached we don't want to let it go to even grow so somehow it's, it's also kind of bad somehow if you look at it too like we our, my parents are so attached to some very well like you have a very bad way of thinking okay not a bad way and i take way of thinking about so many things but i came here like even what i studied my parents still don't see the importance of it you see hospitality back in my country is terrible like it's really down because of they don't want to let go of culture and just accept the fact welcoming someone in doesn't mean you're going to let go of the culture you can actually welcome the person in and you know teach this person how to i don't know about the culture but so I think even though you guys have lost your culture, there's a good part to it. You're green, right? You know, by saying that, it sounds funny because it says like we have to be white to grow. Not really. If we stick as Africans, we will never grow. But sounds you like see, that. I think that's something the colonialists came with. Because if you... And this is my big issue with a lot of Africans. I can even ask you today. All the food... For instance, women, all the food you were ever you grew up learning to cook, was it ever written down? No. That's where we go wrong. As Africans, we've never written things down. And the things we wrote were burnt at Timbuktu. Okay? All the history we had at Timbuktu was burnt by the people who wanted to colonize us. But it comes down to the simplest thing as writing down a recipe that you can hand on to your grandchildren oh 10, 5 gosh. years down the line. It's as simple as writing down things. Whether it's your... Cu- you see, now, these are, these are the conversations you have to have to know these things. When I ask my grandma, okay, how do you make this? She says, oh, no, I have to show you. I'm like, but you went to school. Why don't you just write it down so that one day when you can't remember and you want something made, we can do it. But it's the lack of having the conversations. Everything in Africa is told through folklore. So when you're saying it's been crystallized, it's probably because also languages change. If you read a, like a Spanish Bible, you read the English version, they're translating it with a bit of... There was no word for that, so we put that yeah, there. You know, you've done yeah, Mandarin. Yeah. There are certain yeah. words they don't have. Especially if it's like a metaphor. Yeah. Have so to describe we, it in yeah. Way. yeah. You yeah. have to find a way to mold it to sound like that. It's the same thing yeah. with our stuff because we've never been able to tell our own narrative because we didn't write it down. Yeah. Your version is what you remember. That's why when your grandma is telling you we did it this way, it's because that's what she remembers. But if she wrote it down, We'd have gone a long way if we decided, even us as millennials, okay, my grandma told me they did this, 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 and that. 20 years down the line, when your kids want to know what happened to their great-grandmother or fifth removed or whatever, there will be actual proof. This is why I always ask people, when you read eulogies, do you guys ever keep those things? Of a grandma or... Because when your kids now come and start telling you, oh, I need to do some research. and Why do you think we're not under ancestry.com as Africans? 
true. That's true. Because like, um, where are we going to go and find this stuff? My dad has done it, but that was a personal choice where he had to go to the clan. He had to speak to them. And you know, this is now a 50-50 where they're telling you, I think this is where your true. clan started. And Sorry to interject, yeah. but like when we're doing the census for people counting, um, when it came to my grandfather, now my dad's dad, or grandfather, uh, he doesn't know how old he is because when he was born, he was born in a house, no birth certificate. Yeah, my grandmother. Yeah, so he doesn't so, know how old he is. He, doesn't, he has an idea of what was happening around that time, that's how you can gauge his age. But he can't tell you anything else about his age. So there's no system showing that our grandfather was born here and this is how long he's lived on this earth. So he doesn't even know that. And growing up, nothing was ever locked back. So until now, he'd have to tell you things that happened then off memory. But there's no like script showing you that this is exactly what happened in our history. It's the same way in America, there's so much pride in the history. But in us... Ask any Kenyan about their history. Ask them about Madaraka or about those days. They have no recollection of what that even means, of how we got our independence or anything like that. You guys have actually touched me so bad because I actually don't know what my surname is. But you've touched me because yeah. I'm now realizing, wow, yeah. you are so right. My grandmother yeah. died with all of our praise songs. All of them. We didn't bother to write it down, didn't bother yeah. to, to record it, nothing. Yeah, so that's how history gets lost. But, you see, Americans are so focused on preserving history, we just want to forget it and move on. I actually think that there's a nuance to that that we're not... Sorry, just again, Liz? There's a nuance to all of this that we're not appreciating, right? There's a reason why African history was passed down through song through folklore, yeah, through tales. Yeah. There was a reason. There was a reason why, right? Mm. And the reason is, right, that it's allowed. Literally, there's, in Ghana, there's, um, there's, in the Ewe tribe, they have someone specific whose job is to recollect history, right? And what they do, there was an interview that was written down. Funny enough, I'm, I'm about to hate on interviews, but I'm using an interview to... <laughs> <laughs> All right. But what, what they said was that um, you would meet and you would sing and you would tell these stories to your children and your children's children and if you were lucky enough, their children, right? So that everyone has a chance to add their own spin on the history that was given to them so that it's never absolute. Right, and that for the airway, that from the first ancestor all the way down to this one, everyone can see how it's been changing. Right, so for example, um, Rati, now you'll have a story where, um, when your his when your culture came to Kenya and you met with Kenyans, you saw these similarities and you took it back, and that's what you taught your children. Right. But it was also done so that communities could stick together and stick mm-hmm. together very, very well, right? That's why you'd have to go for funerals. That's why um, the lawyer insists that when someone dies, they must go back home, be buried there, right? Because it is through the, the death and the, the grave sites that you're able to track who was part mm-hmm. of whose home, right? Yes. It doesn't matter whether you've lived in the U.S. You die, they fly your body back here, Right? And so there's some of these practices now that we've, I'm sorry to say, that Christianity has come, oh, you must bury him with a cross 
oh you must bury them next to their church or you must not go to your um um to your shags you know for christmas and stuff like that because you must be in the church or you must be the church member it's all bullshit it right? is so i don't think we should there's merit yes in recording our history but there's also merit in maintaining the practices that were used to maintain that history in the first place mm-hmm. right there's no reason why as cousins you only go home or you don't only go to the village right during big events you've never gone to just chill so you never know what the village looks like in june you only mm. know what it looks like in december, <laughs> in december. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by the way that's a yeah. deep yeah. point you just brought in yeah because i mean because me and you are cousins so <laughs> we literally only go for i can add on to that um there's a saying that says the river that forgets its source will dry up mm. which is true but why i'm saying that is because the same way we're talking about how cultures will mesh I think you also don't want to fully lose your culture. Mm. You know, that's so I'm agreeing that, that that was that time and for me it has nothing to do with Christianity. For me more it's what I have grown up seeing and now I'm reading a lot about being blue because honestly that's the only paper I could find. Um but for me the concept is we are starting to slowly dilute what we were meant to be as Africans, as Luos, as Kenyans, as South Africans. So why I say for instance prayer songs. For do you know how it important it is? Like you know when you listen to your grandma sing a song in your mother tongue. It touches somewhere else. Let me tell you all this trap music we listen to. <laughs> it will never touch the <laughs> same way. Yeah. yeah. It will never touch the same way. And the way it touched you, you would want somebody else to feel it. So I understand I agree with what you're saying about of course folklore but honestly to be honest with you my grandma used to tell us stories by the fire I cannot remember one today but same if I had recorded it down or recorded it on my phone by the time I'm telling my kids let me tell you I probably would have lost that phone but the issue with our generation is there's no repetition of those things as you're saying so we start to lose the real meaning of these things when when we then start saying oh i can't remember so that's not what i'm going to do now i'm going to say a cinderella story <laughs> forgetting that these stories come with a deeper meaning you know when we were being told these stories there was something behind it but if it's we can't use the excuse of Oh I forgot. I was told but I forgot today. That excuse can't go. That's that's what I'm trying to say because you know you can take your kids once twice. Me I honestly when I was growing up I probably only went to Shags two three times a year. Nowadays I sit and I say, "Oh man, I really miss Shags." And my dad is looking at me like, "Are you lost?" <laughs> like, "Why?" I'm telling him, oh, "I want to go." It's like, "Yeah, we'll go at the end of the year." You're talking a lot. You see there's also that disconnect where now your parents they're so over this upcountry life even then they're just like but that's what I was saying the issue is we've assimilated so much into the city life we forget who you were before all of these big buildings and because guys used to live in manyatas grass houses and mud houses sorry <laughs> it makes sense because i feel like what you just said how your grandma was seeing you the stories yeah, and yeah. you forgot if you really wanted to remember these traditions, I feel like your parents should have gone back home with you and like reminded you of the songs that your grandparents were singing to you. 
others like when you go home your parents are like oh, thank god i'm back like i'm tired of like shags you know so did you ever ask them did you ask them did you ask them to sing those songs oh no i do teacher? all they say is that i remember my mom doing this for me but like now they don't remember how to do it for you so like when we're going to shags they want to go to shags and finish real quick like they don't want to do anything else they want to do the fact the event whatever it is back home so when you say you want to go to shags and look at you like i brought you to the city for you to go back to shags what is that you know anyway so <laughs> this podcast has gone on for quite some time for like 14 minutes past <laughs> the deadline so if you guys have any final thoughts yeah air them up i just say we need to learn how to appreciate our culture first because for us back home um there's this time where our parents used to send us to go and learn how to write and sp- to write and speak huh? like your mother tongue because you know that's one thing they always say we should talk in the house with i don't know something like that sort. so but now when you learn it or even when you know it you don't there's no one for you to speak this with apart from your grandma because with your classmates nobody wants to Sometimes with your mom, she's even telling you, like, you know, she just diverts the whole thing to French and you're just like, so why are you even sending me to learn this thing? And people don't find it cool. No one find none of my peers, none of my peers find, find it cool that we can actually just, you know, even I'm like, okay, let me just tell you a small secret in that language. You're like, nah, that's not cool. I mean, are you seeing these guys here? They're looking at us and we'll be speaking a mother song. Let's speak English. Yeah. And I'm like, English is not our culture. English is for England yeah. people. <laughs> I mean, we're Africans, we're Cameroonians. Can we just speak what we? I mean, what we, even even French is not for us. I mean, for France, from France. Yeah. Yeah. So let's speak what we know. But you see, nobody finds it cool. So it's if we learn how to appreciate it, then other people appreciate it better. True. Nati, any final thoughts? Um, final thoughts. You did say you lost your train of thought. Did you ever come back to? It never came back. But I think final thoughts in Africa are problems are many. Renee, uh, I think I'll just jump on what Ruth was saying, right? Uh, I feel like we will hold on to our culture more if we don't just know what it is, but we know what it means or what it meant. Embrace it. So, um, if it's like prayer songs, right? Why are they using a certain word for that, right? Why why are they using that name for God and not another one, right? So if we know the meaning more, then maybe we'll remember it better because it just won't be a song. It just won't be a story. It'll be something that meant something to us, right? Um, Maybe that's where we start before we go and start claiming cultural appropriation and trying to discover what Africa, being African means. We should find a meaning for ourselves first. Mm. Yeah. True. I like that. So basically, if we appreciate ourselves and our culture, the world will learn to appreciate us. I mean, yes. don't care about the world. Yeah. Maybe the world is not important if we appreciate ourselves. True. Okay, yeah, true. We shouldn't seek approval from others. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, appreciate yourselves. Appreciate your culture. Spread yeah. it to your children. And I feel like that's how you can keep Africa alive. Yeah. So, yeah. thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Cozy Convos. Hope to see you next time. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs>